I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 198. I was kind of hoping we would be like starting the new year with 200. You know, like it's so close. I know. But more importantly, I'm engaged! I know. We all know what she got for Christmas. Ew! Okay, Colby and I are engaged. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. And this girl is like, I wonder what he's going to give me for Christmas. I wonder what he's going to give me for Christmas. Me over here being like, how do I change the subject? How do I not say, I know. She kept a secret, y'all. She kept a a secret for quite a while, I think. For a long time. And y'all, did he do a good job on the ring? Yes, he did. Okay, so quickly, how he did it, because I know y'all want to know. They're like, fast forward, fast forward, (laughs) fast forward. Uh, So it's Christmas morning, you know, my favorite time of the year. And it was basically a Hallmark movie. So uh, he woke me up because, you know, he gets up early. And he was like a fucking kid. Like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's yeah. I'm like, okay, calm down. Shit. And he's like, come on, come on. I'm like, I got to take my medicine. He's like, it can wait. I'm like, do you want me to be an asshole all day? I have to take my medicine. <laughs> and then I was like, put it on a ride. He's like, come on, come on. I was like, I have to put a bra on. Hold on. Like, let me brush my teeth. Let me put a bra on. Hold on. Why do you have to put a bra on? Because I just, because I figured we would like take a picture of each other, like open in presents. Oh, and okay. I wanted a bra. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, fine. But like, if you're going to be like taking pictures of me, like holding up the makeup brushes that you got me I want a brown yeah you did give me makeup brushes so clearly it's something's up you know I'm not I didn't fall off the turnip truck yesterday as they say no one says it but it is the same <laughs> so we opened up all of our presents he's like I want you to get your stocking so he had been setting me up saying that he didn't get me anything for my stocking I'm like it's fine it's fine it's fine like it's no big deal whatever well um he told me to go get my stock, and I was like, well, I want you to get yours. And he was like, no, I want you to get yours first. And I was like, okay. So I go get it, and I'm looking in it, and it's empty. And I'm, like, digging, because in my head, I'm like, is the ring, like, loose in there, you know? So I'm, like, digging, digging, and I'm like, it's empty. And I look up, and he was on his knee, and I, of course, was like, babe! Like, scream. Like, <laughs> Literally, she said that. Like, his sister said that I scared her when I squawked, when she saw the video. <laughs> Because uh, he had his phone hidden and was videoing the whole thing. So he like totally surprised me. I had no idea that that's how he was going to do it or that it was for sure happening right then even. But uh, he was so slick. Like even on the video, I'm like, when did he, where did he, yeah. how did he, what, you know? Yeah. Um, and he was said like, he, he just got out, will you marry me? And I said, yes. And then um, he said that he had like this whole thing planned to, to say, but I was like, Bah! Like threw my stocking <laughs> and like ran over to him. <laughs> he has to say this stuff before. Will you marry me? Yeah, I know, but I was like, he he just hadn't watched enough uh, Hallmark, Hallmark movies. movie exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and if there's a ring out, Carrie's gonna run towards it. Okay? I know it was like what you was like a magnet, a beacon. Yeah, something. Well, uh, here we are, and I'm sick. And Colby said it's because I have diamonditis. <laughs> Because I have been freaking sick these past couple of days. Like, not even going to work sick. Yeah. And yet we're recording. I mean, y'all heard the sinister sightings. (laughs) Y'all have heard us way worse than this. But that fever, though, got me this time. That's what kept me out of work with the fucking fever. Yeah. But you know what's not keeping me off Patreon? That was lame. Oh, my God. Patreoners. Terrible. Well, thank you so much, Julie L. from Idaho. Kelly W. from Florida. Larissa S. from Texas. Mary C. from Virginia. Christy D. from Kentucky. 
Lauren R. from Texas. Kind of lost it again. Yeah, you lost your Texas again. God, God bless. Gretchen H. from North Carolina. And Andy S. from South Carolina. Well, okay, we got the Carolinas covered, the Texas covered. Thank y'all so much for joining Patreon. If you want an episode shout out and or all the bonus content that they're getting, an episode a week extra, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Also, remember when you're like, what am I going to get? And I was like, me, nothing, because I normally don't open presents on Christmas, Mm -hmm. but I did get to open a present this time. From whom? From my dad's CNA. Oh, yeah. She came by. She is so sweet. Like, seriously, you know how some people are just meant to be in your life? That's her. But she came by, got um, Marley two gifts. That bitch always getting more than me. Oh, tell them what Marley got. Oh, yeah. So she got her some Christmas PJs that we put on, and then she got her a toy but it was a ring toy. And Marley got a bigger fucking engagement ring. Than she me. did. And so you can like attach it to her paw or whatever. And so she's laying there. And it's so funny. Oh my God. Carrie did it. Who wore it better? We'll post it. Oh God. It was so freaking funny. I said, uh, you're not the only bitch that got a ring this year. This motherfucking bitch. <laughs> and of course, she upstaged me. Mm hmm. And hers, once you tear that off, there's another little toy inside. It's a fucking two for one? Uh-huh. She got a two for. That's her wedding band inside. Mm-hmm. Well, what was your gift? Uh, Mine was like a quote that was framed. So I'll put that on my stuff. Like my, what do you call it? Office. Bookcases. Because oh. now I get to take down all my decorations. And it's going to be a whole freaking year, basically, before I put decorations up. But it's like, bam, 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 bam. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> That's why I like to do spring decorations. Yeah. I don't have many, but I do have some. You do love to decorate. I do. You do a good job. We hope y'all had a good holiday, by the way. It's not all about me and Carrie. Um, Yeah. See how we had this huge announcement about me getting engaged and she made it about her? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, okay. Moving on. Because um, this is kind of a big story that I feel like... I really hope that I do it justice. Also, she talks with her hands, so her bling bling is blinding. It literally has a reflection on the wall. That's my phone, Donna. Oh. (laughs) Well, your phone has a reflection. Like, my ring's not even, no. Well, it is bling bling because it hits that light. Well, uh, thank you. Uh Uh-huh. I know because I really do talk with my hands. I'm like, people are going to think I'm just being obnoxious. Like, because it's it's been a running joke, like, when I finally get engaged, I'm going to, like, yeah, like over the top talk with my hands. But it's like, no, I really do that as is. And so, I don't want people to be like, oh, my God, she's talking with her hands just because she got engaged. Bitch, yes, I am, kind of. No, I'm kidding. I'm really not. <laughs> also, though, of. you would be the person who says that about someone. Which is why I'm insecure about it. <laughs> yes. Okay, on with your story. I know that this story has been covered on quite a few big podcasts and even, like, a BuzzFeed, like, all the things, Okay. I don't know why you covered it there because you know I probably know it. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, Emma H. in the group is who recommended this to me. So, just going to go ahead and tell you, you know, not going to bury the lead. This is the Unsolved Ketty Cabin Murders. Oh. Great. You fucking know it. Not, not 100, so okay, good. Okay, okay. So, just for the record, I got a ton of information from Historic Mysteries. It's a website. That's probably where I got the most information. But as always, our references are on 
the website. But that was like kind of the article by Joe Turner that gave me most of my information. So let's start with the family. Glenna Sue Sharp, who was known as Sue, she was a single mother with five kids. She had been married to a guy in the Navy, but in 1979, she left him and moved from North Carolina across the country to California. Can you imagine that? Just like, let's just take a minute to acknowledge that Sue was a badass bitch. Mm-hmm. Allegedly, her husband was abusive, and she was like, fuck this, I'm not staying. She, she took her five kids and moved across the country. Wow. She's a badass to endure five labors. Good God. And then an over a 2,000-mile drive with five kids? Mm-mm. Hell to the no. And then that one part of town, I don't know which town it is, but you have to fucking, like, turn your AC off and roll the windows down because your car will overheat? Fuck that. So at first, when Sue and the kids moved to California, they lived in a trailer park, but then she decided that she wanted to move from the area of Quincy, where they were living, to a more rural area, to what is known as the Ketty Resort. So Ketty was this area that had a kind of a big railroad um, thing, whatever you want to call it, and it was thriving at one point, but as that railroad terminal that's the word I was trying to look for terminal as that kind of slowed down people started moving out of the area so they tried to make it more of a resort town so that people could go you know do all the outdoorsy shit that you do in California hiking camping all the things well this one area the Ketty Resort it had failed as a resort So the owner decided to make these cabins long-term rentals for lower-income housing. So that's what Sue did. She got one of these cabins as a long-term rental for her and her kids. Sue got, at the time, $250 a month from her husband as part of the divorce, and she worked part-time at the Quincy Elks Lodge. They rented Ketty Cabin 28. Her five kids at the time of the murders, she had John, who was 15, Sheila, who was 14, Tina, 12, Rick, 10, and Greg, 5. Sue was doing her best to not only better the lives for her kids, but herself. She was taking a typing class. She was kind of putting herself out there. She had been dating someone just for a couple of weeks when all of this happened. She was starting to make friends with other families who lived in the area, like in the cabins. And according to this one article, it said that, so when you walked in the cabin, you were in the living room. And then from the living room was the kitchen and two bedrooms. The girl shared one and the younger boys shared the other. And then John, the oldest, he got the ground floor basement kind of all to himself. And from the ground level at the back of the house, there's a flight of stairs that led up to the main living area. But this story takes place on April 11th, 1981. Your birthday. Mm-hmm. Four years before my actual birthday. So on that day at about 1.30 in the afternoon, Sue and Sheila went to go pick up John and his friend, Dana. I know this story is going to be a lot of people, a lot of times. I'm just trying to give you the timeline of how everything went down. And the teenagers weren't there for long because at about 3.30, they headed out again. But they had gone to pick them up in Quincy, you know, a little bit away. So anyway, Sue's like, don't y'all fucking hitchhike. And of course, later that night at around 9.30, somebody saw them trying to hitchhike. Pee-wee Herman, look, Large Marge. Scared the shit out of you. Scared me, especially Tiffany, but I will never (laughs) hitchhike. No. Okay, so 
that afternoon, Sheila and Tina went next door to the Seabolt family. So they went to the cabin number 27, which is just about 15 feet away from the cabin that Sue's family was living in. Sheila stayed the night and Tina came home around 9.30 that night. She pulled a Tiffany and she was like, I need to sleep in my own bed. There was one other person that was at the Sharp cabin that, you know, that was her last name. And that's Justin Eason. So Justin was good friends with the young boys. And so he spent the night at the cabin as well. His family lived in the cabins as well. The next morning, so April 12th, at about 7 a.m., Sheila comes home from sleeping over next door. When she gets home, she opens the door and she sees the bloody massacre that has happened inside her family's cabin. Inside the living room, she saw Sue, John, and John's friend Dana all dead on the floor. Oh my gosh. As soon as she saw everything, she ran next door where she had just come from and was like, I need help. Like, called police. And they're trying to calm her down. And they send their teenage son next door to see if anybody is still alive. Maybe don't send your teenage son. Well, when he gets there, he finds that Rick, Greg, and their friend Justin are all still asleep in their bedroom unharmed. Jamie, the teenage son that they sent over, takes him out of the house through the window so that they don't see what happened in the living room. They must have not been extra large pizzas. Well, they're 10 and 5, so... Um, I was an extra large pizza at 10 and 5! Yeah, but you still would have been able to make it through the window. You could get through a window right now if you had to. Well, yeah, because I got, uh... Big windows. You could get out of this window right here, right now, if you had to. If someone was dead in the living room and they're like, no, we're going this way, you'd be like, okay, and you could get through that window, ma'am. I don't know. Tell me I'm wrong. I'm not. (laughs) So police get there around 8 o'clock in the morning, and they start investigating. They see that Sue and John had the same types of wounds. Both of their throats had been slashed, And they had multiple stabbings and blunt force trauma on their head. The friend Dana, he had severe head injuries, and they could also tell that he had been strangled. Sue was gagged with a bandana and her underwear, and they all had electrical cording and medical tape bounding their wrists and ankles. Medical tape? Yeah, everywhere else I just saw, like, it made me think of just, like, electrical tape but one article said it was medical tape so I don't know if it was just like bandage tape you know Mm -hmm. but the tape was securing the gag in place on Sue. Sue was also naked from the waist down but there weren't signs of sexual assault. The patterns of the blood show that initially her legs were initially splayed apart however they could tell that she had been moved because again from the blood patterns and that they covered her with a yellow blanket which you know we watch criminal minds we know that means they feel some sort of remorse yeah but they also said that they could tell that the boys bodies had been moved too police found two bloody knives a claw hammer a blue claw hammer oh and a plastic piece from a bb gun And one of the knives that was left behind, they knew it was a steak knife from Sue's kitchen. And it had been used with such force that it bent the knife. Oh my God. They found a bloody fingerprint on the handrail leading down from the back door. But in all the blood, because this was a very, very bloody crime scene, in all of that blood, they didn't find any blood from the perpetrators. Which surprises me, because if they were using a knife 
with that much blood and, you know, that many stab wounds, usually you'll get as terrible as this is, but like some slipping of the killer's hand that they will get cut. And here's the thing too, is that with the chaos of, okay, who's dead? Who are these people? We got these boys alive. Okay, okay, okay. It took hours before police realized that 12-year-old Tina was missing. Oh my gosh. Sheila didn't know? I don't know that they were telling Sheila what was going on. I mean, you know, like, and if Sheila was being, because this is how I'm picturing it. Sheila's being kept next door where she had been at the Seabolt house. And they found the two little brothers and the little brother's friend. So she probably just assumed if there's no Tina, Tina's in there dead too. And she just didn't see her body. Yeah. Because she probably didn't even process whose bodies she saw, honestly. Yeah. Because she didn't even make it back far enough to know that her brothers were still alive back there. So she probably had no idea that Tina wasn't one of the victims on the floor or whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just thinking that usually they try to see like... Who else lives in the house? Well, there's some due diligence. Well, not not so much. Well, maybe there's some theories. Oh, okay. There were blood stains on the bedding for Tina, and so they thought maybe that she had just been kidnapped from her bed after the murders. So police are starting to search the area, talk to neighbors, and some people said that they heard screams between one and two a.m. But they were like, well, I don't really know where it came from. So we couldn't figure it out. So we just went back to sleep. And you got to remember, they live in the woods. So insert a bobcat screaming right. and it sounds like a woman, you know. Yeah. So if they like woke up, flipped on the lights, they don't see anything outside. They're probably like, oh, it's just a fucking animal. You know, if it, yeah. especially if it woke them up in, from their sleep, they're probably like, oh, it's disoriented. It just sounded like a woman. It was probably a cat. But the weirdest part of this to me is that all three of the boys that survived said they slept through everything. And that they didn't remember anything happening. So I'm like, if the neighbors heard a scream, why didn't any of the boys hear a scream? Right. Unless they were sedated, but... But there was nothing, because that was my thought too, but there was nothing to indicate they would have been sedated. And who would have sedated them? It's not like Sue killed everyone. You know what I mean? Right. Because she didn't, for the record. Like, I'm just saying, it's not like if she had done this, I could see her being like, okay, I'm going to sedate the boys because I'm going to get the older kids you know right and it's also like well why are, why were those younger boys not killed right so some people are like well maybe the killers were distracted or like something happened and they had to leave before they could get to the younger boys so as far as the autopsies it was clear sue put up a hell of a fucking fight But there weren't any defensive wounds on John and Dana. But there also wasn't blood under their bindings that would indicate that they had fought and then were tied up. So, you know, this is purely conjecture, but I'm wondering if maybe they were asleep and were like quickly tied up in their sleep and then killed. From the autopsy, they were able to determine that some of the weapons used were two different claw hammers and a BB gun. That's so weird with a BB gun. Right. And that little piece that I told you, though, with the, mm-hmm. that matched um, what's called a Daisy 880. I don't know, 880. I don't know how you fucking refer to a BB gun, but that's what it is. And the butt of that gun makes the same impressions that was left on Sue's head. Oh, fuck. So here's the thing. There were a ton of suspects, ton of suspects, tons of theories. And I did not bury the lead on this one. We know that it's still unsolved. Some people believe that there had to be some sort 
of cover-up from police, whether they were involved, someone from the police was involved, or just the fact that it was a small town and they were just taken up for their own. About a month into the investigation, Justin, the kid that was a friend that was staying over, he had been seeing a therapist and he told his therapist he was having reoccurring dreams about the murders. In his dream, he says that he tried to stop the bleeding um, coming from Sue's chest with a towel and that he covered her with a blanket. What? Yeah. So they're like, yeah. Was one of these kids fucking awake? Right. Because that would make more sense Mm -hmm. that the kid literally was awake, saw everything and fucking repressed it. Because how did three boys ranging in age from 10 to five sleep through that? Because that 10-year-old would be able to process that. And I mm-hmm. can't remember exactly how old Justin was, but he was in between the age. So let's call him seven or eight years old. Like, he's old enough to process what he sees, but not process what he sees. Right. So, ergo, shove it to the back of your brain and not fucking deal with it. So they put Justin, sorry, so they hypnotized Justin to see if they could get any information from him. While he was hypnotized, he said that he remembered watching TV in the boys' room before he fell asleep. Then he started hearing some noises in the living room and saw Sue with two men. One of them was tall and blonde with a mustache, and the other one was shorter with dark hair and clean shaven. He said that both of the men had on glasses and that the two older boys, John and Dana, came home while Sue was talking to the men. And for some reason, a fight broke out, and that's when the murders happened. Justin says that after... So maybe the two killers didn't know that anyone else was in the house. Probably not. Justin said that after that, Tina came out of her room and that's when the men abducted her and ran out the back door. Oh, shit. Here's the thing. It's hypnosis and that's not an exact science. And, you know, people can be led during hypnosis. And, you know, some say that the police were suggesting things to him during the hypnosis and you know this was big news so if his parents were watching the news or talking about it or anything like that you know he was susceptible to suggestion right okay so this next part I've heard two different ways I heard I heard they called me and told me the story through the grapevine on April 22nd of 1984 a guy by the name of Ronald was walking out in the woods about 90 miles southwest of Ketty when he found a human skull. Mm-hmm. Now, he was just out there collecting cans, is what they say. And that's when he says that he found the skull and a mandible. Well, another story is that an anonymous tip came in about it. Either way, there was an anonymous tip. So, whether it was the anonymous tip that led to the skull being found or it was just an anonymous tip. There was a call that came in. The anonymous tip basically said, hey, uh, that's Colstina's. And two months later, through dental records and all the forensics, they were able to confirm that that, in fact, was the remains of Tina. Close to her remains, they did find a pair of jeans that had a back pocket missing, a blue jacket, a blanket, and an empty surgical tape dispenser. So, none of that tells the detectives how she died, but I thought the surgical tape was interesting. Yeah. So, there was one person that matches the description that Justin gave police, 
and this is who my money's on. I'm going to be honest. Allegedly that this person did it. But this is who my money's on. His name's Martin Smart. And he goes by Marty. Well, Martin was married to a woman named Marilyn. And they lived in cabin 26. So, cabin 26, Sharps. Cabin 27, Seabolts, where the daughter was staying, Sheila. Cabin 28, where the Sharps were murdered. Marilyn was in the same typewriting class as Sue. And, allegedly... Marty was kind of a shit human and shit husband. He had a really bad temper and he had a criminal record. Not that a criminal record makes you a bad person, but he had a temper. He had a bad criminal record and allegedly he was abusing Marilyn. Again, allegedly, Sue had been telling Marilyn, like, look, Marty has bad news. You need to get away from him. Like, you, he's abusive. You need to run girl don't walk get the fuck run out of this marriage because it is bad for you yeah and she knows from personal experience exactly well Marilyn had even said before that marty had tried to run her and her son over her son justin what yeah marty is justin's stepdad oh shit yeah so Tell me why Justin would have blocked this out. Oh, he saw his stepdad murdering someone? Yeah, that makes sense of why he would fucking repress that shit. Yeah. So when police interviewed Marty, he just offers up information that his hammer, the claw hammer with the blue handle, you know, the like the, the one, okay, that it had gone missing from his house. And he tells investigators Justin might have seen something on the night of the murder without like realizing it like it was like how he were and the police didn't catch on like wait that's weird what you mean like nobody asked him like what do you mean justin may have seen something you know it was the way he worded it was like no i did this justin saw this but he may not have known he saw you know i don't know it was like we're just gonna skim over this was that before he had hypnosis done i think so yeah, so that's real. Right. Ooh. Well, do we know if he has a friend or an acquaintance that we'll matches it? Yeah, okay. we'll get there. Now, Marty did take a polygraph test and passed it. However, it's rumored that he was like, oh, yeah, I passed that polygraph. That's easy. Like, I was lying, but I passed it. Passing the polygraph's easy. He did, like, shortly after his interrogation, the murders, all the things, he, like, up and left, moved to Reno, and then from Reno, moved to Oregon, where in 2000, he did die from cancer-related issues. So, we'll, like, we'll never know from him because he's been dead for 21 years now. Marty was really good with the sheriff at the time, Doug Thomas. Like, they had actually lived together for a short period of time. Like, like very short period of time. But they were that good enough friends where it's like, can I couch surf at your house? Yeah, cool, come on. Apparently, it wasn't until 2016 when a new sheriff came to town and reopened everything, that it came to light that Marty had even confessed to two different people. What? So it was like a lot of information was just buried. There was a lot of evidence that wasn't logged. There was a lot of just weird shit happening. And it seemed like it was people covering for other people. Well, Marty was seeing a counselor at the VA, the Veterans Administration, that's here. It's like the hospital administration for veterans like the hospital system I guess you could say so he was seeing this counselor at the VA in Reno and after Marty died the counselor came forward and said 
So, Marty confessed to killing Sue and Tina, but did not confess to killing the boys. Oh. And that he was mad at Sue for trying to convince Marilyn to leave him. Also, it makes sense why Marilyn didn't leave him if he was best friends with the sheriff. And, like, why she felt like, you know, she had nowhere to really go. Yeah, and, oh, you killed my best friend for trying to convince me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, now she's going to leave. She's terrified. Right. He said that he killed Tina because she saw everything. And so, can't leave a witness. Now, I did see one thing that apparently the counselor had told police early on this information, but the police did not log it as evidence. Wow. So, I don't know if that's one of those, like, she reported it after he died. Like, I don't really know what the timeline was on that. Yeah. So, that's just a piece of the puzzle why people believe there was some police cover-up. Yeah. A couple years after the murders... Marilyn allegedly had told police that she had found Tina's bloody jacket in their basement and had given it to police. But again, allegedly, there's no record of this interaction happening where she's like, hey, I found this jacket. There's no interaction of that. And Marty had written Marilyn a letter that said, I've paid the price of your love. And now that I've bought it with four people's lives, you tell me we're through. Great. What else do you want? And police never admitted that as evidence. Wow. Okay, so there's this guy named John Bube. Love his last name. I'm probably saying it wrong. (laughs) But he goes by Bo. So we're going to call him Bo. So Bo and Marty met two weeks before the killings happened. And Bo was also getting treatments at a local VA for PTSD. So the night of the murders, Marilyn, Bo, and Marty all went over to try to get Sue to come with them to go to the local bar. Sue was like, no, 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 I don't want to go. Y'all go on. So they all went to the local bar. Marty made an ass of himself, bitching about the music. They ended up leaving. Marilyn stayed home and was like, I'm just going to watch TV. And Bo and Marty were like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Like he even so far as to once they were home, called the manager back to be like, you're stupid for what you're playing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He sounds amazing. He's like the ultimate douche canoe. Right. So Marilyn stays home to watch TV and allegedly Bo and Marty left and went back to the bar where the music's terrible. Right. Well, they technically did though because when they got to the bar, they were like in suits. It was like they wanted to be noted. It was like they were creating an alibi for themselves. Mm -hmm. What are they? The Blues Travelers? The Blues Brothers? Yeah. What is that? Blues Brothers was a movie. I'm sure it's other things. Blues Trials was second in, second in, second in, second in, Yeah, that's it. <laughs> also, I think they wore suits, so didn't Just they? the one guy, I think. Oh. <laughs> the episode where Carrie actually does more music than I do. <laughs> <laughs> and like one of the hardest songs ever. Like, tell me five other words of that song. <laughs> They called this Boga in a fuck ton of lies. If they would have done any research, they would have called him in way more lies. But he told the police that he was a police officer in Chicago for 18 years. False. He said that he had lived in Ketty for a long, long time. False. Two weeks. He said that Marilyn was his niece. False. What? So this, is, this was kind of my thought, too. Marilyn and Marty couple, right? They wanted... Sue to come with them to the bar uh-huh. so that Sue and Bo could hook up. And Sue was like, 
no, 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 I'm cool. Well, Bo's now seen her. He's like, and he may have seen her before, but he's like, no, 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 I want me some Sue because mm-hmm. he's a douche canoe. And he was pissed because she didn't go. Marty's pissed because she's trying to talk Marilyn out of being with him. All the things. And that that's probably why they went back to Sue's house, Mm -hmm. which is why there were two people and killed the Sharps. Why they took Tina with them, I don't know. I don't even want to try to think about what may have happened to Tina. Oh, gosh. I hope not. But Bo ended up leaving Keddie not long after the murders, moved back to Chicago, and he died in 1988. In 2016, um, a guy with a metal detector did find another hammer in a dried up pond near like the Ketty entrance and it matched everything that Marty said was like take of, of the hammer that was taken from his house. And so it's like why would that have been thrown in the water? Right. We do know too that the the boys had hitchhiked home and they did interview the person that had given them a ride and like they're cleared and everything so like it's not like it could be this random person. Like it makes sense that it was Marty and Bo. Well, and Marty all but, I mean, he did confess. Marilyn eventually, well, I say eventually, like literally the day after the murders, moved from the cabins, um, but she remarried and from, by all accounts, is still alive. Sue's surviving children went. So, sorry. So she found the jacket, like. No, because remember the jacket was found kind of close to the body. So how did she find, so that, that's false then. We don't know. Did, did she say, hey, I found this jacket. And then, well, one, we don't ever know if she even gave it to police. We don't know if she just said, hey, I saw it, or if she, like, took it and gave it to police. We don't know because it was never logged. Yeah. And then from there, could it have been placed next to the body? Or if she gave it to police and there was part of a police cover-up, did they put it out there and be like, oh, there's no way you found it. Look, it's out here. Or did she say, hey, I saw this jacket and then he later took it and went and put it by the body. We don't know that. Yeah. Because we don't know for sure that she actually even said to police that she saw this jacket because there's no record of it. Right. It's just later her being like, no, I told police that. I just feel like that's weird because if I found a bloody jacket, everything's, le- you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But again, police cover up because he was buddy-buddy with the sheriff, all the things. I, I don't know what the answer is, but... It just breaks my heart for Sheila and her brothers. And, I mean, ultimately, four people lost their lives. You yeah. Know? And it's just freaking heartbreaking that it's still unsolved after 30 years. Yeah. No, 40 years. Oh, my God. 40 years. Wow. So, that's the unsolved Ketty murders. I mean, again, all allegedly because there's nothing that's been proven that they did it. But that's who my money's on. I mean, well, he confessed. Well, they had motive. He confessed. There's two people. It's two of them. I mean... You know, if you think of... Well, just, if they match the description of what right. Justin said... But Marty would have known that's where Justin was. So Marty would have known that there were other kids alive in the house. He probably didn't want his son killed. But it's not. It was his stepson. But... No, I know. And, and people's stepchildren, they can love them and, uh, you know, and it be like their own. Yeah, I bet he did try but, to kill him. But, yeah, but that is that was not Marty. So I'm not yeah. saying that your stepchildren are not like your own biological kids. No, I'm saying that for Marty, yeah. that ain't how he felt. He wasn't that kind of person. Right. Well, he might have thought they were at the Seabolt or whatever. I can't think of their last name now. I don't, I don't think so. I think he knew they were there. I think he just knew that either, well, he thought he knew that they didn't see him. Mm-hmm. 
or he knew that Justin was scared enough that he would never say anything. Yeah. But what about the other two boys? They just slept through it all? Yeah, that's so weird. And if Tina walked out because she heard something, I mean, I know there's some heavy sleepers, but uh, I don't think the cabin was that big. Right. It's a mystery for sure. And what I don't think we'll ever know the answer to. No. But I mean, I'm, I, I agree with you. Well, that's a first. <laughs> I know. I know. I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm not going to agree with this. But no, I mean, everything pretty much points to him. He confessed. And it wasn't like he confessed on his deathbed or like anything like that. He, no, he was doing counseling, you know, and yeah. privilege there and stuff. So he wasn't worried about that, you know? Yeah. Golly. And if that was the case, that Bo was like, no, I want her. Let's go back. And, you know, and then I know it was with Marilyn and all that. But really? Because you were rejected? And she didn't even reject you. She just had kids and shit, like, still at the house. Mm-hmm. Like, no, your son's over here. All of them are over here. Yeah. There's a five-year-old back there. Yeah. Like, I'm not going. Oh, I just feel sorry for everyone involved in that. And poor Sheila for having to walk into that and see that crime scene. Right? But there's tons on this case. This I'm sure I barely scratched the surface. A bunch of big podcasts have done it. I think there was a documentary in 2008. Like, there's a ton on this case if you want more information. So, technically, it sounds all but mm, It's solved in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yours is unsolved, and I have an unsolved mystery, but of a different kind. Huh. But both in nature. Like, yours is in, like, a cabin, wooded area. This, too. All right. Well, gather around, y'all, because I'm about to tell you a place called America's Stonehenge. It's located in Salem, New Hampshire. There are so many Salems in this country. (laughs) I know. So, most people know what Stonehenge is. It's a prehistoric megalithic site in England, shrouded in mystery. No one really knows how the large stones got there, who could arrange them like that, etc. Also, those were very big words, ma'am. Thank you. (laughs) Synonym. (laughs) Right click. Anyway, how the stones are arranged match up with astrological shit, such as the sunset of the winter solstice and the sunrise of the summer solstice. I don't know how these people functioned back then and knew all this shit without Google. Totally agree because I've even said I couldn't be on like a reality show like Big Brother or something like that because they can't Google stuff just to confirm like, am I I right? Am I not right? Hey, what's that song that was blah, 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 blah? Hey, who was in blah, blah, blah? You know? Yeah. I got to be able to look shit up. Right. Because I know just enough to be a dumbass. So I need Google to tell me, hey, you're being a dumbass. Mm -hmm. And I'm like you and I will fucking argue a point even if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. More than me. <laughs> I know, case in point. But seriously, people are amazing. Could you imagine me teaching history, though, those poor kids? Like, I'm like, this is kind of what it is, basically. E- enough for you to know that. Because that's what I was going to do. Yeah, who needs to do with their degrees in? Uh, right? All right. So along with all that stuff, there's theories that it was built by druids and is a place of healing. Others say it's a place for rituals and sacrifices There's also a lot of graves nearby and stuff. So they say that the prehistoric people would bury their cremated loved ones there. And then some say at one point it was a cultural unification project. I mean, because it took a long time for this to be built to what we know of Stonehenge. It wasn't like, oh, one day all these stones were there. But the big thing about this is that it was built like 5,000 years ago. 
But if we go to New Hampshire, around 1907, a colonial family named the Patties lived around this area that the modern-day Mystery Hill is located. That's what it was called at that point. Well, in a point that I'll get to in a minute. But I think it's Patties, P-A-T-T-E-E-S, but it might be Patties. I don't know. That's how your mom told everybody in high school she pronounced her name. (laughs) (laughs) It's Pate. (laughs) Ma'am, your name is Patty Joe. Right. No, it's Pate Joe. Yeah, she was like Joe Dart trying to church it up. Well, the Patties, they used the caves that were around there, but nothing was really like, whoa, this place is a historic treasure. But the land was always kind of seen as weird or odd, and maybe it's because that's kind of how the family was seen too. I'm not sure. But fast forward to 1937, and a man named William Goodwin, he visited the land, and he was enthralled with it and bought it. He was into history and stuff, and he was looking for something called Vinland, I believe, which is basically the Vikings' North American settlement. So he thought that this rock formation might be it. But the more he studied the stones and everything, he believed that this site was made by Irish monks who were trying to hide and get away from the Vikings. And he's the one who named it Mystery Hill. Get it? Because it's up a hill and everything's a mystery. Very clever. Mm -hmm. Fast forward again to 1956 and the site underwent new ownership by a family called the Stone Family. And I mean, hello, meant to be written in stone or something. Okay. You know, it was good and you just took it a little too far. That's what I do. Own fucking brand for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, they changed the name to America's Stonehenge because they knew the importance of CEO in marketing way back when. Say what? Knew the importance of CEO. Like when you're looking for Stonehenge and it's called America's Stonehenge. SEO? What did I say? CEO? CEO. That's what I was like, What? Oh, Lord. I don't understand My brain. So they changed the name to America Stonehenge because SEO is always important, even way back when. And they started offering tours and opened a gift shop. I mean, got to make that coin. Uh, yes. Well, people were really interested in the site. It was something so otherworldly about it. These large stones standing upright some laid like a bed there were caves it's very intricate very beautiful and it's just you look at it and you're like oh that's history right there well in 1976 a marine biologist Barry Fell who I'm guessing was also into history too he went went through the caves all the things and he discovered some writings that he believed to be of Phoenician origins And this was huge because Phoenicians, or Canaanites as some called them, they were really great sea traders and really knew all the maritime shit. Again, history lesson. Woohoo-hoo. But the thing is, they were basically like Renaissance men without being Renaissance men, like before that. They were really great craftsmen. They were really amazing at maritime travel because they could travel at night Because they were the first navigators to use the Pole Star or the North Star. So that was their Google Maps. And also they created their own alphabet that the Greeks took and used and built on. And it's basically the origin of our alphabet too because Latin took from that too. So like they were important peeps. 
So what's important about Berryfell is that he's saying that the Phoenicians had discovered this place before Columbus and shit, or that's what I'm gathering from this whole thing. This is so accurate. I mean, they discovered it before Columbus and shit. (laughs) It's drunk history without me actually being drunk. So let me tell y'all a little bit about the site. It covers just over 100 acres, like with everything, but there's a main site. And there's 13 stone chambers, there's stone-lined drains, there's the standing stones, and there's this place called the Sacrificial Table, which is like a stone formation that has a drainage system in like a rectangular shape around the edges. And they said that was built for the blood to drain that way because the table itself is angled to where the blood could flow like downward and be caught in a basin or anything underneath the person's head. There's also an oracle, sorry, there's also an oracle chamber. It's like a cave and it has this component to it where it's kind of like that whisper hall. You can speak into it and your voice is like the great wizard of Oz. And it just kind of booms out over the sacrificial table. So they said, you know, maybe shamans or whoever would stand there and chant and stuff while the sacrifice was going on. And it's kind of like, again, the man behind the curtain. They did carbon 14 or radiocarbon dating. And that's where you can tell the age of something by the decay of nitrogen to the carbon 14. And this is a method you can use up to tell about 50,000 years in age. So they did some testing on some charcoal samples that they found. And the dates range from like 7,000 years ago to as recent as 200 years ago. It looks at the nitrogen? I didn't know that. I think. Allegedly. (laughs) Well, I was like, oh, carbon. Okay, it looks at the carbon. It's how that decays to the nitrogen of the carbon. Oh. 14. Sure. Look, I'm not scientific. I mean, me neither, but uh, like that kind of science. Give me bones and muscles and shit, not the fucking periodic table. But the carbon-14 date that's linked to the actual construction of the site and not just the components that were unearthed in the excavation, that places the site as being built around 3,000 years ago. On a show called America Unearthed, they investigated the site and he pretty much confirmed it was old and real, okay? He didn't really know what to make of it, but he was like a kid in a candy shop. The grandson, Kelsey... Wait, you say kid at a candy shop? Is it candy I say, store? I say store. Which is it? I don't know. I, I mean, mean store. I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, You grew up saying, uh, guess uh, what? Uh, guess what, chicken butt? Guess why, chicken thigh? Yeah, okay. Never heard the second part. I grew what? up saying, guess what, chicken squat? Yeah, that... <laughs> I don't know why that's what we said. Imagine that. Your whole family don't know how to freaking rhyme. <laughs> So it wouldn't surprise me if, if I was saying it wrong. No, I think it's kid in a candy store. I don't know why I said shop. It's you're a, kicking it real old school. Yeah, it's old. It's historic over here. Look, you're like, Willy Wonka could never. <laughs> well, the grandson, Kelsey Stone, he was in the episode, and he said that he was messing around on Google Earth and all the stuff, and he found a link between them and... And England's Stonehenge. It deals with archaeoastrology, basically. So he was drawing the lines out, like spokes on a wheel, just to see where they would go on Earth. Well, the summer solstice sunrise, that line, well, it matched up exactly with the Stonehenge in England. And if you continue going around, following how the line would move, 
It ends in Lebanon, which is where the hub of the Phoenicians were. It actually went through one of the trilithons of Stonehenge. It's like the two standing stones that has the horizontal stone on top. I always think of it as dominoes because that's what I would try to build and shit with the dominoes. Uh-huh. So again, that kind of goes back to the whole theory that the Phoenicians were over here and had something to do with this site. Scott Walter, a local historian to New Hampshire, he said that he believes the Phoenicians did build this and his reasoning is that no indigenous nation has come forward to say, yes, we built things like that. Like, yes, there were artifacts that were found and other things, but no one said we have built things like that. Again, this is what he's saying. I'm not saying they didn't, but I guess like locally, no one's said, oh yeah, that would be us. Well, and you would think that they would want credit where credit's due. Yeah. As I think what he's trying to get at. Yeah. Also, he said that there was a stone that was found in one of the chambers, and it's called the Ball Stone, B-A-A-L. So Ball was the Phoenician sun god, and on that tablet, the stone, it's written in Phoenician or whatever the language was, to Ball of the Canaanites. And remember, they were called the Canaanites, like that's what they called themselves. He believes it was built as an observatory for astrological alignments. And again, like Kelsey was saying with his archaeoastrological stuff, how it lines up with everything, it dates back to 4,000 years ago when it would have lined up perfectly. Because over the years, like everything is a little off kilter. So like right now it doesn't line up just perfect how it like would have if we built it today. But when you go back to it, so the calendar would be correct. It was 4,000 years ago. They say that technique is actually better than carbon 14. Also, the sacrificial table, that lines up with the Phoenician culture because they actually sacrificed their firstborn child. Oh my God. But still, to this day, no one knows who built this site. Like I mentioned, William Goodwin, he believed it was Irish monks. And then another person said, no, it was just the Patty family who built it on their land and used it for their farming life. And then others were like, no, it was built by the Celtics. And then something we'll see when we talk about the paranormal stuff, because there is paranormal stuff with this. A lot of people believe that it was the Native Americans, even though I said that the historian was like, no one's claimed it. But Mary Gage, she wrote about this theory and she said that they built it over a 2,500 year period in five cultural phases. And there were some Native American artifacts that were found when they were doing the excavation. And so she believed that this was used as a ceremonial place. 2,500 years? Yes. I can't even plan what I'm having for lunch, much less like a cross-cultural hundred hundreds and hundreds of years thing right much less getting around the same damn page <laughs> right well like i mentioned it's not just a history lesson there's some paranormal stuff hans holzer he's a famous parapsychologist he visited the site multiple times like i think six different times stalker <laughs> and each trip was around the summer solstice he believed that there was a purpose of the formation and that it was definitely haunted. When he went on one of his first trips, the medium he used said that people used the site as a ceremonial place, but they were vicious to each other and would sacrifice for their great spirit or for power. Some people who have taken a stone or two 
from the site have returned it ASAP because they felt like they were being haunted and they described them as like a very tall Native American in their house. But, you know, it was apparitions so they could tell it was a ghost. But also, who would steal a stone? Look, I already can't get my luggage low enough for the damn airport. I ain't trying to put a damn stone in it. Right? Kind of like, though, it reminded me of the, um, what is it? The, the uh, sand? Yeah, black sand. Black lava sand or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that, I can understand, like, someone taking that in, like, sand in a bottle. Like, okay. This is like, oh, this might have been built 4,000 years ago. I'm like, hey, let me just get this stone right here. Like, No! Also, if you did that, the whole thing would collapse. A lot of people have seen shadow people. They've been pushed by unseen forces. And some people become very ill when they're close to the sacrificial table. But that could be because, you know, it's called the sacrificial table. A lot of people claim to feel being watched or to even have seen a pair of red eyes watching them and following their movements. Or if you're me, a paid of red eyes. God, sometimes my script, y'all. No one needs to see this. No one needs to see all these, uh, what is it? Oh, mistakes. Sorry, I don't make them often. Oh my God. <laughs> you literally just made it say often. It's not a mistake. It's also accepted. Not really. Well, often is not what I say. We know. We hear it often enough. <laughs> Sorry, it reminded me of uh, The Little Mermaid. I was like, and what's that? Because I couldn't think of the word. But what's that word again? Oh, feet. I thought it was street. Oh, huh, street. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which one it is. <laughs> oh, God. People who live nearby, they said that they've seen strange lights and sounds around the site in the nearby woods. One of the employees said that they saw a stone turn into an old lady and walk across the parking lot. And I know, what what did I say wrong? No, I'm just like, a stone turned into an old lady. Like, not the opposite. Like, every Disney movie has told me that it's the opposite. <laughs> you turn an old lady into a stone, like... They somebody's mean somebody. You, so you turn them into a stone. Why not is it old ladies. Well, because you literally said old lady. Uh huh. But I'm just saying, in most fictional yeah books and you know movies because and this stuff, isn't fictional, Carrie. Okay, that's what we're going with. <laughs> okay. Well, I even wrote. I know you're going to roll your eyes, but if Native American people did have anything to do with this site and stuff, okay, you remember Skinwalker Ranch. Uh-huh. They would have weird lights, weird sounds, all the stuff in the woods, and obviously skinwalkers. But a woman shape-shifting from a stone, that sounds like a skinwalker type thing. Okay, I'll give you that. And I definitely would not be taking a stone. You might be taking an old lady home. And you don't like old people. <laughs> well, there's another show that this was on, and it's called The Holzer Files. And that's where, like, Hans's daughter and a team revisit his cases. Well, they obviously revisited this one. And during the baseline investigation, their medium saw a flash of black, like a dark figure. And she said that it looked like a person in a cloak. He was just like pacing back and forth. And she picked up on like a lot of people must feel like they are watched here because he's watching us. When they went to the Oracle chamber, again, where, you know, you could talk and it like booms out. She said the energy was very bad and she felt like it was a ceremonial site and they called in spirits there. Another formation is the Serpentine Wall. 
And when they were by it during their walkthrough, the medium said that it was a really sacred place and she could hear that it was warning her to get off the land. And it said like they weren't worthy of the land kind of thing. Well, the people also talked to some witnesses about their experiences. There was a guy named Mike Angelica's and he said that he was around there during the spring equinox. And he was at the main site. He said that a man appeared in front of him as a black mist, but it was running. And soon it turned into a full body apparition. And Mike, braver than I, but just as nosy as I am, he followed the person. But the more he followed, the more an awful, heavy feeling overcame him. He said it got really bad, but then the man just disappeared and he immediately felt better. But that wasn't enough to deter Mike. He came back around the summer solstice sunset and he snapped a picture and there's an orb in it. Well, again, he's nosy, so he zoomed in on the orb. And when he's looking closer at it, there was a being like a black mass standing behind the dad and his two boys in the photo. And the thing about this, this is the same time of the year that Hans would always visit. So the activity really could be more active during this time. There was another paranormal witness, Black Eagle, and he didn't even want to go to the main site. He said that his nation is not one that would build anything like this, but he said he was there about five years ago, from the date of that interview and he was making his way up to the main site and he felt like an energy had attached itself to him. He said it felt as if it was pushing on his chest and around his throat. It started off very gradual but the higher he went up the hill the more intense it got and at first he wasn't attributing it to the hill or the site so he tried to get up to a clearing and when he walked past the site everything stopped. And that's kind of when he put two and two together and was like, you know what? I'm not ever going up to that place again. And he hasn't. Through the big investigation, the medium said that, because you know, they do the baseline investigation and then it's like, okay, these were the hot spots. Let's go back and like really dig deep into it. Well, the medium kept saying that she kept getting the word grave walkers when she was at the site. She also did an automatic writing session by the Serpentine Wall, and it said, the land is not yours to walk on and will rob you of your health if you stay longer. Oh my God. Also, every time they do that automatic writing, all I think about is Jesse Spano and yes. stuff in Say by the Bell. So they really didn't stay that much longer because she was like, this seems really evil. Like, it, it's scary. They did do an ovalis and EVP session at the sacrificial table where the lead investigator asked if they sacrificed people there and the word solstice came through. But what does that have to do with sacrificing people? Well, if they did it during one of the solstice times, gotcha. which is when like ceremonial things happened. Okay. And then when they asked if they wanted them to leave, it said stop. When they reviewed some pictures that they took, when they were in the oracle chamber, it looked like there was a black cloaked figure peering out from around the corner watching them. And the thing about this is that they had Hans's daughter with them and she was taking the pictures with Hans's old camera. And so, you know, they were just trying to be like, if there's any energy attached to him there or anything, whatever. And then like they captured that. 
ultimately what they feel like is that the spirit there is an elemental spirit and it was there long before any settlement, anything. But everyone who came to the site, Native Americans, Phoenicians, colonial settlers, all of that, they all kind of added their own spice to that energy. But it was ultimately just building on what was already there. Another group called the New England Ghost Project, they were able to investigate and some of them had big battery drainage issues and strange temperature drops in places like the Oracle Chamber. Dennis, one of the investigators, he experienced what people have talked about, those red eyes watching him. They also said they heard sounds of what sounded like tom-toms in the woods. They, of course, got pictures of orbs, but it's outside and stuff, and so that's hard to take as evidence. But ultimately, like no one knows who built it, why it's there. I mean, I guess they know why it's there, because it's basically like a calendar, an astrological calendar and stuff, but with the sacrificial table... All the caves, that oracle chamber, you know, it's just... It's such a hodgepodge, too. Yeah, yeah. And normally it would be like, oh, sacrificial table. They're just saying that. But, like, why would they have that, like, that tube that goes through that, like, it's a loudspeaker, an intercom for your voice, like, right there beside it. Like, it's all a little, like, no, I mean, that kind of adds up. And I don't know if it's linked to the England Stonehenge Because it's definitely not, like, as great and, like, holy shit. Because those are huge stones and stuff. These are, like, five feet. You know, they're not as big. But when he, like, had that line and it kept going and then went to Lebanon and stopped there, it's, like, whoever built it, I feel like they had a grasp on that. But then these people who are doing all these tests are, like, no, this is weathered correctly. Like, all the things to be like more than centuries old but on the other hand like i mean like okay no it was pointing yada 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 like i feel like you can make anything make sense you know like if you're with someone who's really into like numerology it can be like well this number leads to this number that makes this number to leads. you know what i mean yeah i mean i don't think that's always wrong though but i'm not saying it's always wrong but i'm saying (laughs) that it's easy to go down a rabbit hole like even like with conspiracy theories and all that it's easy to be like well this is linked to this this linked to this this linked to this but that's only one link like that's one separation from kevin bacon that's so funny i talked about that today (laughs) so i don't know it's still a mystery you know you can go and see it i mean you know if you like outdoorsy shit i mean i'd certainly go see it me too i want to do the oracle chamber is anyone out there can you hear me? <laughs> and then Rose said, get your filthy paws off my silky door. <laughs> right. I'll never let go, Jack. But let go. But get the fuck off of me. <laughs> Come back. God. Great movie. <laughs> well, I don't know what it is. And I don't understand, like, the dating of things to be like, oh, yeah, okay, 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 okay. They're dating it right. You know, I don't know enough about that to be like, okay. However... My brain doesn't comprehend, like, 4,000, 10,000 all these years ago. But I will say that it's pretty, I don't know if unbelievable is the right word to say for this, but it's pretty astounding that they could get that many people to be on the same page about something over literal centuries to build. You know what I mean? If you're saying it's like 2,500 years and it's multicultural, you know, and we know how great cultures get along now especially back then you know it's like Mm -hmm. just to get 
all of these people to cooperate for something is pretty significant. All I know is after your story, my story, I don't want to go to the woods. No, I'm good. I don't want a spirit to watch me. But the thing is, with my story, they weren't really, like, they were in the woods, but they weren't, like, in the woods, you know? Yeah. This was, like, a resort, a resort that had been converted into low-income housing. So, there was a cabin 15 feet away from them. It's not like it was, like, literally in the middle of nowhere. Like, it it was a resort, Especially given how close the other cabin was. I mean, it had to be somebody they knew. Mm-hmm. Because, and I never saw anything if there was like forced entry or anything like that. But if there wasn't. Forced entry. What did I, what did I, I say? I thought you said for a century. And I was like, what? <laughs> no. But no, I mean, you sounded right. Sorry. No, no it's probably the cold. Um, but, you know, I never saw anything that said if there was forced entry or not. And if there wasn't, then it would totally make sense that she knew who was the perpetrator. Yeah. Or who the or per- she might not have even locked the doors. True. Because they were all friends. You know, it was their little thing. Who knows? But it's so weird that we both did something that's like, we kind of, it's like, it all points to this, but it's still unsolved. And then it all points to like these things, but we'll never know. Yeah. And we didn't even plan it that way. Sometimes... It's just how it happens. I know. It's like the sinister sightings. Well, thank y'all so much. We hope that y'all are having a great new year. Starting the new year off with all the fucking mysteries. (laughs) Hopefully, the rest of the year won't be as big of a mystery as the last couple have been. Mm -hmm. Well, you're engaged now, so you don't have to worry about that. Yep. That's check mark off the list. Now we just got to figure out what the fuck to do about a wedding. Let us know what y'all think about the stories. Do you think that America's version of Stonehenge is a thing and what caused it? Tell us who do you think was involved in these horrific murders. And, but more importantly, remember. Creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.